As entrepreneurs, we want to make a huge impact. We want to deliver really great value to people we care about, our market, our avatar, our ideal client, our ideal customer. But you know what? <laughs> it's amazing. So many of us struggle on it. We don't have the systems in place to really make this work. And today I've got a guy um, who is one of the top entrepreneur, fellow entrepreneur like ourselves, who helps other entrepreneurs put together killer systems leveraging technology. And I've, I've been with Brad uh, just a few meetings at different mastermind groups. And I got to tell you, he's one of those guys that stands out at every meeting, mainly because of his advice. And everybody goes to him because this is once you know what you're doing and you have the systems do it, your ability to accelerate your success has never been greater. I'm John Bowen, and I am the co-founder of AESNation.com. Stay tuned as I introduce you to this remarkable entrepreneur that's gonna help you be hugely successful, even more. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. So excited that you're joining us here today. Uh, you are the go-to person for so many CEOs that struggle with systems and technology. But you know, before we go there, I, want, I always like to get the backstory. But first of all, thank you for joining us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Brad, you know, give me a little backstory. I mean, my guess is you didn't, you know, I've, I've sat next to you in the last meeting and I just watched you doodle out systems and just you, you are a system guy. And I'm, you know, matter of fact, I asked you, how do you do that? And you gave me that app and so on. And, you know, it's just, it, you just think this way. I'm yeah. guessing when you were a kid, you didn't do that. So yeah, how, how did you get here? Yeah, so ironically, actually, I don't know if it's ironic, actually, but, uh, but growing up, so growing up, I'm the sixth of 10 kids. And the reason why that's important and the reason why I share it as it relates uh, to this is, um, you know, when you have your first kid, for anyone that's had kids before, you have your first kid, pacifier falls on the ground, you like throw it away and incinerate it. Second kid comes along, pacifier falls on the ground, you just throw it away and get a new one. Third kid comes along, you will like sanitize it in the dishwasher. Fourth, usually actually by the third kid, you're like, oh, whatever, I'll just brush it off my leg and give it back to the kid. So I'm number six, so you can anticipate what happened. Like nobody even got me my pacifier when it fell on the ground, I don't think. So so the reason why I share that is because what happened is, I, like I have amazing parents, they weren't, I didn't have like absentee parents, but by the time I came around, they're like, yeah, you just figure stuff out yourself. And so I did a lot of figuring out how to get what I wanted. And what I realized really early on is when you have um, the right process or the right framework, uh, you can do everything faster. Like there's not anything that's actually inherently hard. Uh, there's only things that you don't know how to do yet. And so once you discover the framework and the system, you can get so much more stuff done. It is ridiculous. Like my mom would be like, hey, you gotta go work out in the yard for five hours. And my brain's like, wait a minute, I have an idea. How about you tell me what you want done? I'm gonna figure out a faster way to get it done so I don't have to spend five hours in the yard 
what I didn't realize at the time is that she had nine other kids and she just wanted us to be in the yard for five hours. So, you know, it didn't work out so well, but, but that really, that really is what it was born out of is growing up. Um, I just like it clicked at a young age that if I understand the mechanics of how something works, then everything goes way easier. And if I can not only understand the mechanics, but then I can build a framework and then a system so that I don't have to be the creative one that's rethinking up or re-remembering the steps. I actually want to take all of my knowledge out. I want to put it into a system that I'll follow. It makes me way better at what I do. And what it also allows is it allows that I can bring somebody else in and I can have them follow that same system. And now with technology, now what I can do is I can put technology behind most of it and automate it so that when I, as a human, I have to go do work, I can do way better work because I'm not spending my time. I only have a certain amount of time. And what I'd rather do is spend it on meaningful work that can't really be systematized or automated rather than re-spending my time over and over on mundane things that I could just use technology or system to just handle. So it happened at a young age. I fell in love with it. And, um, and I mean, I, I could go through examples of like, I'll play basketball I could, about how I learned how to shoot and the mechanics of shooting, how I raised my kids and how we run the morning in my household. Like it's a checklist of what has to be done by 6.45 and then 7.15. Um, how like down to how my closet's organized and the type of clothes that I wear and the whole thing. This is what it all boils down to for me. Um, we all have the exact same amount of time to accomplish whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. Irrefutably, you can't argue with that fact. And what I know is that when I create systems that are simple and I leverage technology to automate the things that can be automated, it means that I'm, no matter how successful I already am, what it does is it gives me more time to go create the impact that I want. And I'm just like, well, I want to maximize that. So I only have a certain amount of time with my kids. I want to maximize and have everything be simple so that when I spend time with my kids, one, I have more time to spend. And two, when I spend it, I can do more meaningful stuff rather than, you know, trying to struggle to get my kids to brush their teeth. My kids just do it because they know that by 715, that crap's got to be done. So. <laughs> no, Brad, you know, it's funny. I, I think of myself as really system driven as well. And but you win. And <laughs> but let me go. You know, to my fellow entrepreneurs, I mean, the, you know, the, the idea here, I, I've had a number of businesses. I've got three businesses now, uh, but, you know, we're in business, not for more business. We're in business, in my mind, for supporting the quality of life that we want. And, you know, the last business I had that wasn't in global headquarters now, my pool house, uh, I had 400 employees. And I got to tell you, you know, we didn't have that many systems. And it, it was, you know, it was a very successful business. But it, the quality of life really, I'm going to use the technical term, sucked. <laughs> Today, I have a much more profitable businesses, great quality of life. We're doing more. And the reason that the businesses are successful, we're adding more value. And I, I got to tell you, I have, you know, I've always, and we were talking about this, Brad, when we we're together, I've always used enterprise systems and really, you know, work with, you know, your peers in putting systems into place once we've proved out the concept. And, you know, God, it makes such a difference, you know, in life. And, you know, I love simple and elegant and technology today is so cost effective to make things simple and elegant. Yep. But let, let me go. I want to go, you know, I, before we turned on the cameras, I asked you some of your life lessons. And, you know, in the first one, I, you know, and one of the things I, I like to do is really get clearer on, you know, how you've been that, you know, so successful and you've personally been successful. You're the people that have the privilege of working with you. Uh, I mean, I, I've met so many of your 
raving fans, your marketing apostles. And, you know, you gave me some really simple and elegant <laughs> things here. You know, number one, always wear glasses. And I'm thinking, well, I was a pilot in the Navy, so I have really good vision. But you know what? This is so important because uh, people lose focus all the time. Why don't you tell us what you're talking about here? Yeah, for sure. So this one actually I owe to my dad. Um, so my dad growing up had a question he liked to ask us. Remember, there's 10 of us. Um, and uh, it got to the point where I was like, dude, what? I don't understand what you're saying. So here's a specific example. We were going, it was when Aladdin came out uh, and we all piled into our Suburban. I'm pretty sure it was illegal because there were 10 of us. We didn't have seatbelts. Well, it would be illegal today, but it wasn't then. We we're going to see Aladdin in the movie theater. And getting 10 kids to a movie theater is a pretty big production. So I'm, I'm hyped up. We're going to the movie theater. We're going to get some popcorn or whatever. We get in the car. I can still see it. We're in the garage. We've got, you know, it's a three-car garage or whatever there. He turns around in the suburban, puts his arm up. I'm sitting in the middle between like four other siblings. And he says, all right, so what do we want to have happen here? And I'm like, old man, I want to go watch a movie and eat some popcorn. What the frick are you talking about? And uh, it wasn't until I got, you know, it wasn't until way later uh, I had kids, started to raise a family, started to run a business that I realized the power of the question of what are we actually trying to do here? And, and it, what was really interesting is for a long time uh, before this clicked, I would sit around in meetings and I would hear people talk and I would sit there. I'm like, I don't, what are we talking about? Like, what, what is the objective of what we're trying to do? And people would come in and ask questions. And I thought that I was missing something. I thought I was like, I thought there was a conversation happening up here above my head. And I just hadn't got smart enough to understand it yet. And then what I realized is, I, and, I don't, and I'll make it, you know, whatever. There's a thing that says 67.2% of stats are made up. I'll make one up right now. <laughs> I would venture to guess that 90% of meetings and conversations, uh, people are talking in circles because they don't actually know what they want to have happen. They don't know what the outcome is. Um, and so the idea behind always wear glasses is uh, if you wear glasses and you take them off, everything becomes fuzzy. Um, now you can still sort of navigate, but it's fuzzy and it's way less likely that you're going to get where you want to go. It's kind of like, imagine playing pen the tail on the donkey. You wear glasses, you take them off, like good luck. Like it's, it's all fuzzy. The target is just way harder to hit. And what most people do when they set their goals or they set their targets is they actually don't set goals, they set directions. And what I mean by that is people will say, okay, um, I want to make more money or I want to lose more weight or I want to have more free time or I want to take more vacations with my kids. A really good sign that you are not wearing glasses is if your objectives use the phrase more or less. Um, the way that you put your glasses on is you get really specific. So like how much money do you want to actually make? Because what happens there is like, well, now I know what the target is to get to. And in some cases it's like, oh, well, I actually am already making enough money. Um, I might be able to divert my energy somewhere else instead of pretending like I've just got to go make more money. How much weight do you want to actually lose? How much time do you want to have with your kids? What are the actual vacations that you take? So for me, what I found is almost, again, I'm going to make up a stat, but the majority, I'll just stop making up stats. The majority of- hey, Remember uh, you're talking to a research guy that does a lot of empirical yeah. research. So well, maybe, you can, maybe you can throw some of the stats. So uh, I, I so, can actually, I will. So what, I found, what I found is most of the time, um, most of, most of what people struggle with first, like you can eliminate a majority of problems if people just got clear on what they were actually trying to do. And that happens like at a, at a high, high macro strategic level, all the way down to, um, you know, I'm trying to decide how I want to onboard uh, a brand new client into this product offering. And people will start to talk about what emails they're going to write and how they're going to send them and how they're going to design them and whatever. And nobody stopped to say, hold on a second, what are we actually trying to make happen here? So yeah. the first one is if you can always stop and get centered in 
and put your glasses on. Know what you're trying to make happen. It literally changes everything. It, it really does, Brad. I mean, you know, the, it's it's so interesting because our fellow entrepreneurs, as they're listening to you, are going, I was in that meeting 15 minutes ago. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so many things that we get, you know, they're so important and there's no clarity. And the second you start getting clarity, you know, for yourself and then the rest of the team, it's amazing what you can accomplish. But as we go, I want to go to your second uh, life lesson, which was really good. You know, uh, ninjas don't start as ninjas. What are we talking about here, Brad? Okay, so the, the, you'll notice as we go that these sort of stack on each other. Because remember, I'm like a frameworks and a systems guy. So, um, so the first one is get clear on what it is you're trying to do. Put your glasses on. And then the second one is we're humans. And as humans, uh, for whatever reason, it's really hard to keep something simple. So we can't imagine the simple version of doing anything. Uh, we always have to come up with the extremely complex, fancy version. We tell ourselves that that's what's required. So this idea that ninjas don't start as ninjas is born out of a mantra that we have internally, uh, which is you get or you start simple and you get fancy later if necessary. And another way we'll say it is that uh, the permission slip for fancy or ninja is signed simple or fundamentals. And, and the idea really is that if you can walk around and always have uh, this question present in your mind, it will completely change your life and your business, which is what would the simple version of this look like? What yeah. would yeah, what would the simple version look like? And it reminds me like we went, so we went out to base camp. They have the, the used to be 37 signals. Mm -hmm. We got the project management tool and they introduced a really interesting uh, angle on this as well. They do their development cycles um, in six weeks. And they said, everything changed for us when we realized uh, we, we're not gonna define the scope of a project and then see how long it takes us. We're gonna define the scope of the cycle and we're gonna create. So he's like, look, for every project, there's a six day version, there's a six week version, there's a six month version, there's a six year version. We just choose the six week version. And it's along the same lines of what would the simple version look like? So if you think of the next project you're trying to launch, um, if you shifted your mindset and you said, okay, look, yeah, ninjas don't start as ninjas. Uh, there are a whole bunch of things that don't have to make it in here. And I'm human, which means I'm going to try and cram them in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, what would the simple version look like that I could launch in the next 24 hours or whatever the actual time frame is that you give yourself. But I found so much power in the, what would the simple version look like? Um, as opposed to the, oh, but it's got to have this, and it's got to have this, and it's got to have this. So the idea is get really clear first, and then take what you come up with initially and recognize that it's going to have way more stuff than you need, and just start to trim it back down so you're left with just the core piece that you can actually get done and you can actually launch so that it can actually produce some sort of benefit or some sort of outcome. And it really applies whether we're talking business, whether we're talking at home. I had a way more grandiose plan than the simple checklist that we have posted up on the walls for our kids. Um, but the one that actually worked was the simple one that has like five checkboxes and it's totally changed how our mornings run. So, uh, so that's the idea behind ninjas don't start as ninjas is what's the simple version look like and the permission slip to get fancy is signed simple and you only do that actually if you have to and most people realize you don't, you don't actually have to. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm in Silicon Valley and one of the things that uh, when I was a financial advisor, I had a lot of entrepreneur, high tech entrepreneurs and you know, they, they were, I'd ask them, you know, Microsoft would have this big announcement that they were going to go after that their space. And, you know, the question always became, how many people do they have? And what's the duration of the project, you know, the, when they're going to announce something? 
And the only time they got word was when it was a small group in a very short period, because if it was a hundred or more people, you know, and kind of open-ended, nothing would ever happen. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's so big. And we have one of our more successful uh, programs we have, and it's a uh, thought leadership platform for financial advisors. And we've been beta testing, we're at 800, paying $400 a month, we think we can go to 2000. And one of the things, everybody wants to add all these features. And we started it simple, let the market tell us, it's not even close to what it started in the business plan. And then what's happening is we put one caveat that it can't take any more than an hour a week for the principal to execute. And that just keeps, you know, it's simple. And, it, you know, Brad, I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree any more on this stuff, but let's, let's go one, you know, because we were going over this before and I go, okay, I've lived this one. Uh, cannot implement strategy. I, you know, every once in a while, I'll come away from one of the mastermind groups you and I are at and I get all excited about this new strategy, you know, that we're going to, you know, I'm going to, I'll usually grab a couple of my team members and I say, let's go do it. And uh, why not? I'll leave it from there because you, you'll tell the story of how it works for most everybody else. Yeah, so here, here's sort of the cycle that entrepreneurs go through. And and uh, when I when I teach this principle, there's a video clip. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but there's a video clip on YouTube, and it's a guy I think in Germany or somewhere, uh, and he's like talking to the camera, and it's all excited, and then he runs and he jumps, and he's trying to break through a frozen pool like the ice. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you, you did. You did share that. And, That's right. And, I did it and and I've done that before. You know, I haven't hit the ice that way, but I've hit almost everything else just yeah. as hard. So for yeah. everybody else, so this guy runs and he jumps, but instead of breaking through the ice, the ice doesn't break and he just kind of like splatters on the ground and slides over. And um, and I think that is a perfect, perfectly captures what happens so frequently as entrepreneurs, which is we go to an event or we talk with our business coach or mastermind or we're listening to a podcast. Uh, or reading a book or whatever, and this idea pops into our head. And for me, idea and strategy are synonymous. Um, and you know, you've got notebooks, I'm sure, from the events that you've been to. Like, I got all these ideas. And um, where, and so we do, we have this idea, we get really excited, like, oh, this is gonna change my business, I'm super excited. So like John said, I'm gonna go get a couple people on my team, and I'm gonna tell them, hey, we're gonna lock ourselves in a room, nobody's leaving, I got pizza coming in, we'll get some Diet Coke or whatever, we're gonna stay here until, like, until it's done, if we have to stay the whole weekend, we're gonna stay here, and then what happens, it slowly falls apart, and it never actually, comes to fruition and here's why the reason why is because uh um the reason why is because you can't implement ideas and you can't implement strategies you can only implement plans and plans are always bigger than ideas or strategy so uh, another place to really drive this home another place that um that i think captures this really well uh, is when you have a project like at your house and what usually ends up happening is it's a saturday project it's just going to take you you know an hour or whatever and then you end up doing this thing called the eight home depot. I call it the eight home depot run Saturday. And I'm pretty sure that everybody watching this has had an eight home depot run Saturday, uh, which is I go to home depot, I get the one thing that I need. I come home and about 15 minutes later, I realize crap, I did not get the things that I need. So I make the next run back. And by the time it's, you know, seven o'clock at night and I've literally been to home depot eight times getting new pieces. I like, I want to beat my head against the wall. The, the, the hardest part of the, or the most costly part of that actually is not the project itself. It's what you were supposed to do. When, because you're supposed to be done in an hour and you had seven other hours and that usually is now you're stealing from your family or from your business or from whatever, right? So, so the idea here, this is I think the most interesting sort of principle to take out of it is whatever things you got in each of your runs to Home Depot that day, um, 
guess when you needed them? You needed all of them at the beginning. And what I found when I talk about this with entrepreneurs, a lot of times, because the principle is you have an idea, turn it into an actual plan. Like think about it, if I have a house I wanna build, I've got to create a blueprint. I can't just have a house account and some Pinterest accounts and some drawings on a napkin. I've got to actually create a blueprint and the blueprint does two things. It lets everybody know exactly what we're going to do in clarity. So it's not like this half idea that I sort of dropped out of my head as the entrepreneur. Um, and two, it identifies all the work that has to be done so that you can actually get that project completed and launched. That's what a blueprint is. And, um, and, and the, here's the challenge. What I found that the fallacy in our entrepreneurial and maybe it's just in our human brains is that if I go through and I identify all the work, I'll have this checklist that's, you know, however many things long. And then I feel like, oh, well, that's way more work. I just want to do the idea. And it's like, well, no, it's not actually any more work. Just because you can see the work that you have to do doesn't change the fact that that's the work that you have to do. Just like when I went to Home Depot and I just got the one thing I thought that I needed, and then I went back again, I got the second thing, I went back again, I got the third thing, I needed all of those. And if I had stopped and got clear on what it was that I actually needed, then I can bypass the eight trips to Home Depot and I can actually get the project done in an hour. So when we're working with our clients specifically in automating how they're converting leads into clients and then how they're delivering an amazing experience for their clients, the very first step that we have to take them through is one, let's get clear on what you want, so let's get your glasses on. And then two, let's go identify what are all the things that will need to be put into place and what are the resources that we'll need? Well, I think we're talking about that one in a second, but um, what are all the things that actually have to happen before I start? Because if I identify those, implementation is actually insanely easy. The piece that's missing and the muscle that's missing is architecture. It's your ability to take the ideas out of your head, give somebody else a clear vision of what you wanna have done, and then produce a very specific checklist of all the work that needs to be done that is actually what stops implementing ideas and getting things launched. So the wow. idea the idea behind you cannot implement strategy is as you're out taking notes at conferences and events and in masterminds, uh, what I tell people to do is uh, write, so you have a note, but when you have an idea, put idea colon, not a plan, and then put your idea down. Just as a reminder that when you write it down, it's not gonna be like that small on your calendar. There are gonna be a bunch of pieces that will need to go in to getting that thing launched. Well, so, yeah, that's idea. yeah, no, this is so important because, you know, most entrepreneurs have, you know, a little bit quick starters and we, we just, you know, a good idea. We can visualize this and we run with it with our team. And lo and behold, <laughs> there is the, the Home Depot run uh, that we've missed a few parts. And, you know, I look around there, there's scattered things that we all have. And, this, you know, in business, these, these can be hugely expensive both in time and energy and you can create tremendous uh challenges for your team uh as a matter of fact they might mutiny along the way if you do that too often so you know one of the things though and this is one that I, you know you, you have brad and I, I think it's one that i relate to a lot you know uh i think you said it you're not the plumber and the way i think of it it's, it's so funny i uh, I, I don't do the Home Depot run anymore. Matter of fact, I don't do anything. We got a pretty large property. We got a vineyard and we got a whole bunch of things. I delegate everything. And it really came from one event where I decided to do the Home Depot run and I was going to replace a faucet. And this is many, many years ago. I, it wasn't Home Depot, but it was the equivalent of it. Right. And uh, I got it almost all done but couldn't finish it off because I didn't have the right tools. I called the plumber 
and he charged me more <laughs> to fit, you know, to take everything apart that I had already done. And it's like, you know, this is where one of the things, once you, you know, you, you're clear on what you want to accomplish, you know, you, you've got the strategy laid out, you know, you're, you're clear on the plan, you know, make sure you got the right people with you. And sometimes yeah. we're not the right people. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there, there's two elements of this idea of not being the plumber. So. Uh, maybe there's actually three. The first one is you have to have people. Um, and I talk about it as the, what I call it is just your team of key success players. So in anything that you want to get created, it's going to take, there are going to be one, a certain list of things that have to be done. Each of those things uh, requires a certain skill set. And then you've got to have somebody that has that skill set to do that thing so you can finish the overall project, right? Like in the case of, in the, case of the faucet, uh, it takes a certain skill set and, and also a certain tool uh, to be able to pull it off. And um, I'm not so sure one, I had either of those, though, you know, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So so once, once we once we recognize that and accept it, I remember when it hit for me um, and I still I, I still have places where I slip, but I was driving down a road, Jermaine Road right here, literally is right back here. I'm driving home and in my mind, I'm starting to conjure up all of the things that need to get done in the business. And I'm starting to plan how uh, how I'm going to get them done. How what I'm going to do is my kids will go to sleep and I'll convince them to go to sleep at 930. And then I'll spend a couple of hours then, then I'll wake up early. And I just literally, I'm stopped about a quarter mile back from a stop sign in traffic. And I just started laughing out loud. It was just me and my car. And I was laughing out loud at the absurdity that I actually thought that the way I was gonna grow this business and move you know, the, the project forward was that I was gonna be the one that did it. That it was just gonna be all me. And then my brain wasn't automatically going to, no, um, it's not actually my job to do that. And so when I teach this, I'll, I'll pull up some slides typically here when we talk about it. I actually did a search. I looked up the definition of entrepreneur. Um, and it says, I believe the, de the definition I found was a person uh, who organizes a business or businesses. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. What I did not find was uh, this definition. A person so highly talented that he or she must perform all of the critical tasks in the business so as to save it from impending doom. And a lot of times we take that approach as the entrepreneurs, like, no, I'm the only one that can make this happen. And so one of the core principles that has led to success for me is the idea that one, I'm gonna recognize it's not my job to do everything. And two, more importantly, I get no bonus points. My business does not make any more money if I'm the one that coded a landing page or a follow-up sequence or designed a logo or whatever. I don't get any bonus points if it was me. Um, it only, the only thing that matters, the only way the score increases is if it gets done. And when I go step in to do things, I'm actually limiting the business's ability to, to actually grow. So it's one, you gotta, you gotta be willing to use people to help you move the business forward. Two, you, you, gotta, find, uh, you gotta find the right people. And then three, when it comes to you're not the plumber, there's another element of this that ties back to the second one, which is ninjas don't start as ninjas, uh, which is the idea of like, just because you have people doesn't mean that you can give them everything. So it's great, like like for you, it's great that you don't do anything, but if you give 100 projects to the people that you're outsourcing to and they don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to go handle it, you're not any better off. All you've done is you've moved the clog of your drain, so to speak, a little bit further down to somebody else. So you've got you to make sure that you're, that you're being careful with or just monitoring how much you're trying to get done, um, but at the same, whether you're doing it or whether other people are doing it. So I'm always trying to remind myself, okay, is this thing that I'm doing is this a thing that I need to be doing or can I have somebody else handle it so that I can actually coordinate and orchestrate this entire project or whatever it is that I need to go do. So yeah, you, you're, you're not a plumber and most people think that they are and they have to figure stuff out. I, 
actually read something today. So Jason Fladlin, uh, he was also in the group that we're in. Um, he, I was reading his webinar book and I love what he said about people that want to do things themselves. He's, he's like, look, most people know how to go cut their own hair. Like, I mean, it may not be perfect, but you can learn how to cut your own hair. But even after that, you still will probably go to a barber. And I think there's a lot of power in that principle of, yeah, like I know how to wash my own car. It doesn't mean that I ought to go wash my own car. Uh, I know how to create a lot of things, you know, as far as it relates to automation. It doesn't mean that I need to be the one that goes and does it. So if we kind of go back through these four principles so far, it's one, let me get really clear on what I'm actually trying to create as an outcome. Number two, let me identify the simple version of that. Number three, let me create a really crystal clear uh, plan and, and vision that I can give to everybody of the work that needs to be done. Um, and then as I'm doing that, let me go, remember I'm not the plumber. So let me go find the people that can handle these individual pieces. Because once I have a clear plan that everybody can understand and I'm clear on what I'm trying to create, it is way easier for me to go delegate the task. When it's hard to have a team that you delegate to is when you have not developed the muscle to stop, know what it is that you're trying to have happen and the ability to turn it from an idea or a strategy into an actual plan. You master those two skill sets and finding people to take care of the individual pieces is actually extremely easy. And that's where you get freed up. That's the exact, you know, that's the exact lesson you learned as you, uh, as you tried to fix the faucet and now have, have been able to build a business and a lifestyle around it. Well, and, it, and, it's, and it's been huge. And the way I think of it, Brad, is this, you know, it's, it's, way, it's kind of as you build, we progress through this is, you know, in the past, I wanted to know how to do everything. Now I don't. I just want to know who to do it. I mean, it's just, it's a simple thing. And, and one of my biggest things, I've got a great team, you know, one of the best teams I've ever had in my life and, you know, a number of successful businesses I've had the privilege of working with. And, and you know, one of my biggest roles is not only orchestrating, but managing so that I don't overweight anyone in our team because, you know, I want their talent too. But it, it's having that right people, and you talk about that, and you know, particularly with technology and systems. You know, number five is the systems multiply people. What what are we talking about here? So I think the easiest analogy for this um, is Iron Man, right? So you got Tony Stark. You got Tony Stark has a lot of money and whatever his personality is. Uh, for me, the Iron Man suit is the equivalent of systems, and then subsequently automation. Um, and what it does is it takes a it, it takes a person who on his own couldn't really do all that much other than make jokes and spend money, and it creates him to be a much more powerful influence. And systems do the same thing. So when I bring a team member on, um, what a lot of people will do is like, okay, I got a team member on, I need you to handle this, go figure it out. And then I get frustrated because the person didn't do it the way that I wanted it to be done, or, or I feel like they should be getting more results or whatever the case is. And um, the flip side of that is if I bring somebody in and I plug them into a system and I give them a framework and some organization about how to go do their work, I will get a multiplier in terms of the results that I get from that person. Because I've already identified, like I've done the work to identify the system and how we want this to run over and over again. Then I can plug technology behind it. But all it does is it continues to increase their value to the business. It also increases their value then subsequently to me and so, you know, if we look at it in, in, if we get some examples of like how you would use this as you're trying to convert leads into clients, let's say you've got a team that does one-on-one -on -one sales conversations. Well, you can either put your sales reps into situations where you're just leaving it up to them to however they've ever sold before um, and they just kind of wing it, or you can have a very methodical, very systematic approach of how you qualify and prepare somebody 
for the sales conversation. Then you've got a sales conversation that is a system where they're walking through a structured call and they get walk through a structured call, then you got follow up. And here's what happens. A lot of people think, oh, but if I do systems and if I do automation, then there's no personal element. It becomes robotic and it's not really real. I'm like, no, no. It, you could make that happen and that would be a very poor decision. The way that you leverage systems is you're removing the unnecessary steps so that the human can be a better human and perform better when the human is necessary. It actually increases the personalization of your interaction. So in a sales conversation, if we look at like systems and automation, when I have a systematic process of how they schedule a call and I can start to set their expectations on a, a page that they're registering to talk to one of your sales team, and then they start to, then I've got follow-up emails and videos that are going before they ever get onto a sales call to introduce the sales rep and to tee up expectations around that sales call. Now when a sales rep gets onto the call, there's a whole bunch of work that's already been done before the sales rep ever had to show up. Same principle applies when I get on the side of, well, somebody just bought and now we got to do some work for them. You know, what if I automate it? I had a system around, well, here's what I know they need. They need to know this first. If I show them these five things, I'll overwhelm them. So I just want to start with this. Once they're done with that, I'll move to step number two. Once they're done with that, I'll move to step number three. And all that's going to happen before anybody on my team ever has to lift a finger to do any work. And now when my team does have to lift a finger, they're going to be way more effective, be able to get way more done, which is great for your team. The flip side is your client will have a much better experience because it's on par, it's systematic, you know exactly what's going to happen, and they're going to get way more value. You do like events, your ability to use automation and systems, so you have a specific process of how you design an event, how you fill an event, and then what happens when people actually come into an event. Um, systems are it's the way to multiply people because otherwise what happens is the creative power that a human being has in their head can either be spent on mundane non-creative activities or it can be spent on creative activities and the only way to get past those mundane non-creative activities i call them minutia is to create a framework and a system so that i don't have to think about what i'm doing to get past those i get to think just about the creative side it's i mean it's the reason why i have a checklist for my kids in the morning my kids can go through the morning just subconsciously at the routine of knowing exactly what they need to do, which means we can actually have valuable family conversations. We can have, they can actually do things in the morning because they're not waking up trying to remember or think about what they have to do. So systems for me are the ultimate multiplier of people because they allow for the, the, the creative energy inside of your people to come out because it's not being spent on completely unproductive and non-creative tasks. So anyway, yeah, no, I mean, this is big. And, you know, where it hit me, Brad, is the 2008-2009 uh, downturn. It was a, you know, global situation, but in the financial services, it was substantial. My business all of a sudden went down 45% in revenue. And, yeah, that's never fun, no matter right. what. And, you know, I'd done well in other things. And so my wife and I are our venture capitalists in our businesses. And it was like... Okay, we don't like this. What do we need to do? And in what was happening in our case, the financial services industry, we were typically doing projects that were large consulting, uh, research projects, building thought leadership, anywhere from a half a million to up to two and a half million dollar revenue. But they forgot our phone number during this period, you know, and everything just kind of stopped. And I had the good fortune to be in a mastermind, in the case, uh, the one we met at, Brad, uh, Joe Polish Genius Network. And I go, why, you know, the advisors, financial advisors, the end users of the stuff we were doing, they still need us. Why don't we go ahead and market to them? And I didn't have the systems. And we started off 
And I learned all, I didn't know what marketing and automation, everything we were, you know, you do, I didn't know what it was. And I'll tell you, it just changed my life. And all of a sudden I didn't need the corporate clients. We replaced them fairly quickly and we became more valuable to the corporate clients because of the insights by going direct. And it was just huge. So one of the things I'd like you to do, Brad, is just, you know, tell people what you do. I'm going to put your website up because I love yeah. the, 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 uh, slogan, uh, we make automation easy. Uh, you know, that's great. You know, how do you do it? What do you do? And you know, who are the right clients for you? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So we work with entrepreneurs and their teams. Um, so, so businesses that are established, they've got clients coming in, um, they're delivering for those clients. Uh, the, the ideal perfect fit client uh, or the ones that, that we work really, really well with are typically where you have uh, like a sales team that is interacting and engaging with your prospects one-to-one uh, -one, uh, and then followed up by your your fulfillment or delivery is not like it's not just like a product dropship we can work with those clients but it, it's it's a lot more we create a lot more value in a business when you have team members on your side that have to engage with your prospects and or your clients at some point in the process and and here's what we do um, we recognize that automation can literally just just like you just described can literally transform a business and then subsequently an entrepreneur's life um, and the key to be able to leverage automation where your business literally runs like an assembly line. It's like leads come in, leads turn into prospects, turn into clients. It's predictable. You can look at it and see how the conversion is happening. Um, the key there is you have to know what the system is first that you want to automate. So we come in and we're working with clients around how do I create a more predictable uh, process from the point that I capture a lead until they become a client and, and then I want to deliver and then how I deliver my product or my service to those clients. So when our clients come out, like we've, we've done work with Joe Polish, he's got a mastermind. We've done work with, with Damon John and their company. We've worked with uh, a lot of the, the big name people that you're supposed to mention to make you sound really cool, you know what I'm talking about? And then we work with a ton of entrepreneurs that are like, we just had one here yesterday shooting a course and he's just starting a business because he sold his last business and he wants to get this one up and off the ground. And what we do is we come in and help them get really clear on how could I actually leverage automation in my business? Like where are the spots in my business that I could improve the sales conversations that are happening because I put a system in place and I automate it. And I actually can improve accountability. I can improve the experience for my prospects and all of that. So we say, well, where could we do that? Maybe it's in the sales process. Then what we do is we design what that system will look like so that everybody in the organization is really, really clear. This is how we're going to run this part of our business. And then we come and we actually build and install the technology to run it. So that as a business owner, I now have um, systems that are multiplying my people and I've got it automated where I can just get the reporting of what's happening. We can go make tweaks where necessary. So it might be on the sales side. It might be on how you deliver a particular product or service. It might be in what you're doing with, uh, you know, some of your leads. It could be that you're trying to figure out how to get webinars launched. So it's all the different elements that you're trying to run in your business to go from lead to client and have people that are happy and uh, love what you're doing. And you want to start to set that on autopilot and systematize it where it just works the same way every single time and you've that's got something you can count on. So that's what we do. We take all of the craziness and chaos out of understanding how you can automate your business and then ultimately how to go implement the automation. We take all that away and simplify it so that you've got a more predictable process to convert leads into clients. I, I tell you, it's so valuable. Let me walk through kind of what I think are the key takeaways here. And I mean, you laid it out really well. Is, you know, we want to get clear on what we want to do. I mean, you know, the, the glasses, they got to be on. Second, you know, you know, we got to recognize that we are, as Brad said, human and we're going to make mistakes. And so what we want to do is really get very clear on the strategy 
the plan, and then, you know, the who. You know, you don't want the plumber. And, and some of you fellow entrepreneurs, I'm a good technology user, but I, and I have written code a long time ago in COBOL, uh, 100 years ago, where, you know, now, you know, just the tools are so good. And, you know, what we're talking about, marketing automation, I can tell you it's changed my life tremendously. And, and you know, the ability to scale up with very few people you don't need as many people. You need really talented people that are going to make a difference and then use those systems to multiply the people. And it's amazing the impact we can each make on our marketplace and we get to do well by doing well. Brad, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been invaluable and a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, you are making a huge difference. I want to encourage all our fellow entrepreneurs to go to asnation.com. We're going to have the transcript, the show notes, Read it a few times because there's so many pearls of wisdom in there. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, thank you. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.